The Scroll, Chapter 8, Eli. The door opened and a face appeared in the shadows. It was Eli. Ah, you are awake, he said. How are you feeling, my friend? Benjamin told me you were not doing well and had to stay in. I hope it is not because you had to work so hard in my shop yesterday. Kohelet rose to his feet as Eli closed the door behind him. No, no, I mostly stayed in the shade of your stall. This is just my age creeping up on me. I saw you rubbing your chest and arms. You've been doing that a lot more lately. Eli held out a basket. Maybe this will help you feel better. My figs are all sold, but the new apples are crisp and sweet. There is also some bread and cheese and a little wine. Kohelet took the basket from his hands and placed it on his desk. You are a good friend, Eli. Come in and sit a while. Benjamin is out for the day. Eli sat on the corner of the bed. I saw him briefly. He was looking for some bread for you when a woman came to find him. They talked briefly, and Benjamin became quite agitated. You don't see that very often. He said he had to leave right away and asked if I could bring you something to eat. Thank you, Eli. Kohelet took an apple from the basket and polished it. Did you see who was with him? Eli shook his head. Never seen her before. One of his people. Striking features. That had to be Deera. What had come to light now? I guess we'll just have to wait till he returns. I can only stay a short while, Eli said with an apologetic shrug. I am meeting Reuben. He says he has a new proposition for me to consider. He stroked his beard. I used to care a lot more about competing with Reuben's fruit stand, but those days are gone now. I might just let him take mine over. I have no son to pass it on to anyway. Kohelet bit his apple. Eli had lost much of his drive to succeed after his wife suddenly died. Before that time, he always worked hard to make sure his fruit stand was the best in the market. His competition with Reuben was not mean-spirited, but it was all-consuming. Now Eli regretted spending so much time with his work instead of with his wife. Perhaps Reuben thinks I'll be more receptive on a Sabbath. I don't think Reuben has ever observed a day of rest. Now there's a man who will have heart problems. I was just writing about that when you came up. Ah, let me hear it. It's been a while since I've been able to listen to you teaching at the well. Kohelet picked up the scroll and read. I noted that all energy and skill we pour into our work is motivated by the envy of our neighbors. This competition is as futile as racing the wind, but I also saw a fool who lazily folded his hands and ruined his life. I concluded that one handful with rest is better than two handfuls with toil and grasping for the wind. That's Nabal, Eli said. He thinks he will enjoy life by avoiding work and filling his time with relaxation. In my observations of him, it occurred to me that avoiding work is actually a difficult task, and it often requires more energy than the work itself. Huh, good point. But on the other hand, when a competitive person makes money, it only fuels their desire to grasp for even more. Look at Reuben. He has no wife or child to provide for, no business partner to be accountable to, and yet he works day and night to try to get ahead. I wrote about him as well. I witnessed a fitting example of a futile life under the sun. There was a man all alone, with neither son nor brother, yet there was no end to his toil and his eyes were never satisfied with his wealth. Too late in life, he asked, for whom am I working so hard and why am I denying myself enjoyment? His solitary work was futile, a miserable task. Eli nodded. I don't think he has ever asked himself that question. Perhaps I can help him. 
He comes to see me quite often to talk about the fruit business. In an odd way, I have become his business partner, for it has been his competition with me that has spurred him on. I think I may be his only friend, for I am the only person he has honest conversations with. That's what he fails to understand about competing with you. People choose your stand not so much for the fruit, but because they get a chance to stand for a moment and chat. They feel a part of the community when they stop to see you. Eli nodded, but his eyes were sad. That was more true when Sarah was alive. Her laugh and cheery smile brightened everyone's day. It's not as easy when you are alone. Did you write down that proverb too? <laughs> You're reading my mind. It's the next one. Two working together are better than one, for they both benefit from their labor. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but the person working alone has no one to assist him. When two share a blanket, they keep each other warm. But how can one keep warm alone? While one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and three will resist defeat. Eli gazed wistfully out the window. I would like to have a partner again. Well, I don't think starting a business with Reuben would be the best solution for you. Eli looked back to Kohelet. There is someone else, someone I have been meaning to talk with you about. I have... The call of Eli's name came from down on the street. Eli pushed himself from the bed. Reuben must be anxious. He has arrived early. I guess that's good for a sale. Kohelet followed him to the door. Don't be too quick to sell your business. You need something for your old age, and people enjoy chatting with you. You are an important part of our community. Eli opened the door and looked back. I might keep it a bit longer. Reuben is getting more of the fruit business these days, and that actually makes my life a little easier. He paused. Perhaps I will stay in business and take on Nabal as my apprentice. Eli grinned as he shut the door behind him. Coelho chuckled as he returned to his desk. Sarah may be gone, but Eli's wit and humor was sharp as ever. He was fortunate to have Eli as a friend. If he had not lost his job in the library, he would have never met Eli, Esther, and the other friends he now had in the market. He too would have ended his life old and alone, with only his memories to hold on to. In the years before Benjamin had become his assistant in the library, Kohelet had always preferred to work by himself. When they had first moved into the market apartment, Benjamin had tried to maintain a respectful distance and had slept on a pallet on the floor. In a climate with cool nights, it did not take long for him to see that sharing the bed made much more sense. It kept both of them warm at night and away from the vermin that searched the darkness for something to chew on. What had drawn Kohelet to Benjamin all those years ago was the realization that despite his lack of education, Benjamin was innately wise. Even in his younger days, he had possessed a bearing that sent him apart from all the others at the palace, perhaps even the king himself. Kohelet dipped his pen into the ink pot and wrote down one of his favorite sayings. They say a wise youth makes a better leader than a foolish old king who no longer listens to counsel. Even though the youth was born in poverty and came from the prison to the palace, everyone followed the youth instead of the king. A great crowd praised the youth, but later they were no longer pleased with that young man as their leader. Pursuing fame is as futile as running after the wind. Here was another cycle as constant as the rivers flowing to the sea and coming back as rain. People would clamor for a new leader and claim that now peace and prosperity would finally come to all. Yet over time, the bond between the leader and their followers would deteriorate, and the people would start grumbling and looking for someone new to set them free from the very leader they had been pleased with such a short time ago. Truly, people were incapable of learning from the past.
Kohelet picked up another of the apples from Eli's basket. Even in the midst of the darkest times, you could still enjoy the good things that life brought your way. He took a bite, savoring the sweet tang of its crisp flesh. Next to a fig, a good apple was one of his favorite fruits. A songbird trilled out in the marketplace. It was Simca's familiar tune. Kohelet pushed to his feet and looked out the window. He could hear the little bird, but where was she? He wished his fading eyesight was better. Across the way, a flutter of wings caught his eye. Simca was across the market on the ledge of Caleb's window, and there was a box-like contraption right in front of her. Simca was about to enter Caleb's trap. <laughs> 